my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. It's so good to have you joining with us. This week we're continuing to look at what's been termed Christ's Sermon on the Mount. We're following the theme, the radical teachings of Jesus. And today we're simply asking, why would Christ criticize people who pray? Today... Our co-host is Eric Hoare. Now, Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Eric, welcome again. Thank you, Gary. It's great to be here. And I tell you what, we're getting some good days amongst the colder days now. I tell you what, the weather is on the turn. I am so pleased. I mean, I was out walking this morning. Uh, I tend to walk and see the sunrise most uh, most mornings, try to do my my, my six or seven kilometres walking, not not fast walking, not running. But, you know, um, it is so nice to be able to see the light uh, actually rising above the horizon uh, in the morning. It's not quite as cold any longer. Uh, a couple of days, I have to admit, though, I have got a little bit damp uh, from the uh, from the rain showers. And the, the blossom is absolutely beautiful. Oh. It's starting to come out now, and it's you know you can just see the growth. And also, the I'm just a bit worried about the magpies when they start to nest again, and and watch for them coming at you. But no, it's it's a beautiful time of the year. We're starting to move into the warmer weather. Yeah, I was just up at the. Uh, Adelaide Hills on the on the weekend and the amount of uh, of wattle that is actually wow. open. In fact, I thought I was almost going to start my hay fever uh, starting to to hit me hit me once again. But thankfully, we were able to to avoid it. Don't you feel sorry though for our mates in uh, uh, Victoria and New South Wales? So hard, isn't it? I mean, what a lockdown for New South Wales. Uh, what another couple of weeks they've extended? Oh, it, I think, look, yeah. I mean, how much longer sure. can it all go on? I mean, That's this sure. is. Uh, uh, I mean, at some point we're going to have to say, hey, look, you know this is something that we're going to have to live with one way or a, or another. Well, I've been waiting for the financial crash. I mean, I don't know how businesses are surviving and uh, the government's pouring so much money into keeping things going. Uh, where's it all coming from? There's, Something's going to have to break. Yeah, yeah. Something is going to give at some point. You know, I, I agree with you totally there. It, particularly, I mean, overseas, I think, is uh, uh, actually all worse than Australia. And uh, mm. uh, these challenges are absolutely huge at the, you know, at the present time. Mm. It's also wonderful to have with us in the studio this afternoon, uh, Peter Charlson. Now, Peter is the principal of Prescott College. Welcome to you, Peter. Oh, thank you, Gary. It's nice to be with you. Uh, it, it is really fantastic to have a principal and taking some time out of your really busy schedule. How's life been today? Uh, I think it's always busy in a school, Gary. You're always running from one thing to the next and dealing with all sorts of different issues, wearing lots of different hats. You say principal like it means it's something that's important, but principals are just people like everybody else. You And that particularly applies to you because I really appreciate the ministry that you're actually involved in. But look, Peter, look, tell us something. Tell us a little bit about Prescott College. Now, you're the principal of Prescott College. Where is Prescott College? How many students are there? You know, what's special about Prescott College? Okay, so... Um 
I probably need to put a, a, a bit of an extra piece in here for you, Gary, and that is that there are actually three Prescott schools in Adelaide. Okay. Um, there's Prescott College Southern, which is down in Morford Vale. There is Prescott Primary Northern, which is uh, in Paravista. And then there is Prescott College, which is the, print, the school that I'm the principal of in Prospect. And, of course, they are all run by the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Correct, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. And so... Um, Prescott College Southern is R to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, Prescott Primary Northern is R to 6. And Prescott College is a standalone high school from year 7 through to year 12. But tell us something. Where is Prescott College, however? Um, you know, how many students do you actually have? I mean, is this a big school? Okay, no, we're actually quite a... Um, some people refer to us as a boutique school. Um, we have less... Th- uh, only a few students less. I think our enrolment at the moment is uh, 237. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're situated uh, just off Prospect Road uh, behind St Helens Park. Some people may know, be able to identify. That's a that nice is. location. Uh, it's lovely. So um, in the mornings, um, you'll often see uh, we have a couple of coaches that operated for us by Kanga. They bring um, students from Prescott Primary Northern down and they park just on Prospect Road there. Our students hop off and walk through the park. Uh, we have students that come in on private buses and then we have a lot of students that catch public buses as well. Hey, look, look, tell, tell us something, Peter. Now, I'm, I'm just really been interested in the, um, I suppose, the impact that, for example, COVID has actually had on, on your school. How's it impacted you and the teaching staff and your students generally? Um, look, it's interesting. Uh, I won't, won't say there isn't an impact because there definitely is. Um, I think it, there's raised levels of anxiety in, in both the staff and the students. Uh, a number of our staff actually have family interstate, and I think they've, they've found that quite difficult. I actually had mm-hmm. a, um, one teacher who um, she finished up at the end of last year because um, her parents and her, her the rest of her extended family live in Queensland, and yeah. she... It hadn't been a problem until COVID, but with borders opening and closing and that kind of thing, she felt that she needed to go back. So it has had some impact, but we've been really fortunate in South Australia. When I look at what's happening on the eastern seaboard, um, you know, we've really realistically so far only had two two times where we've actually stopped school and locked down. Yeah. Um, yeah. We did have, uh, last year, we had reducing numbers as people started to keep their children home. But, you know, we've been we've been really lucky. And we're really lucky at, at the college as well because um, in terms of technology, we're, we're pretty well situated for this kind of thing. Um, we have lots of on-learning, online learning platforms. All of our students have a, a laptop of some type or description. Um, and a lot of the assessment tasks and um, handing in work and what have you is done electronically anyway. So it, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a really big jump for us to actually be able to do remote learning. Probably the only thing is, is it's much more difficult to um, keep kids accountable, I suppose, students accountable over over Zoom or over these mm. different electronic platforms mm. because if they decide that they don't want to, they can just switch you off. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. That's not good. But look, tell me something, Peter. Now, look, you've described yourself as a boutique school, and I do like that expression, but does that mean that, I mean, you must be one of the expensive private schools? No, definitely not. We're certainly mid-range or even towards the bottom of, of uh, 
you know, what it would cost to send your child. Sometimes you actually, in the media, you know, you hear about these these uh, private schools and the um, huge amount of funding that they get and the amount of fees that they charge and uh, comparison to the ones that they're actually referring to, our fees are very... Yeah, very small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I really appreciate. It because I know my own children actually attended uh, Prescott College, and uh, I have to uh, I take my hat off to uh, to the work and the dedication of the, particularly the staff at your school there. I think they do a marvelous job, and I really appreciate your own dedication. But look, Peter, one question I've actually always wanted to ask um, a a person in your particular position. Now, why do you bother to run an entire school when there are are so many excellent, really well well funded public schools out there. I mean, why go to all the bother? Well, I guess Gary, it depends on how you how you view education and what sort of scope you're actually looking for. You have to remember that um, the students, when they come to us, they actually spend more time at school than they do with their parents. The influence over their lives is going to be quite significant. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact. It's, it's interesting because I'm smiling while uh, you were saying that you've had three children attend. I've actually taught all of your three children. Yeah, yeah I know you have. <laughs> the, the impact that, that teachers can have in the lives of their students is, is great. Yeah. Um, now, you have to remember that, um, you know, your best outcomes are always gained when the alignment of the school and the home in terms of um, philosophy, worldview, those kinds of things, when they align, mm. that's where you're going to get your greatest buy-in from your students. And, and you need to keep in mind that education is more than, you know, what you know the old thing, reading, writing, mathematics. Mm. It's actually much broader than that. Um, Can you just open up on that a little bit more? Sure. Um, what kind of person are you going to become? Mm-hmm. Um, what worldview are you going to hold to? Mm-hmm. What what um, what you're going to deem as important, as most important, and mm-hmm. you know from our from our perspective, you know um, we have uh, uh, the philosophy or the the motto of Prescott Schools is um, Nilsana Deo, which means nothing without God. Mm-hmm. So placing God at the middle of your or the centre of your school and your education system, some people go, well, that might mean that academics might not be as strong or it might mean that, you know, they're going to have a good religious experience, but mm-hmm. they may not get that good, solid, firm education. I'd actually argue the opposite of that. Uh, we, we believe in God as um, being a literal creator. Um, okay. And so when he created, uh, you know, you read that in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, he actually laid the foundation for all of what we now call academia. Academia is the study of what is, what is in the world. Mm. And so the maths, the science, languages, the arts, you know, the music. They're all absolutely vital, aren't they? And they all came from him. Yeah. So yeah. placing the creator God at the center of your education system changes the way that you view the world around you. Um, and that creates that that does make a difference to not only how you view it but how you approach it and yeah if you're working from a, a secular worldview um, there is no God so mm. there is no there is no right and wrong and yeah. that brings with it all sorts of problems because from our perspective believing that God was our creator he placed in us the desire 
to be able to seek him um, and the desire to live in community. We have three values at Prescott College, mm-hmm. um, integrity, respect and joy. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I put that together with an education, what you're actually doing is you're working, choosing to do what is right mm-hmm. and what is right is what God tells us is right and wrong because he is the creator, he's the mm-hmm. only one that has the right to do that. So choosing to do what is right, regardless of who might be watching or who might not be watching, mm-hmm. um, when you have that, when you have that integrity, that generates in you um, a good self-concept, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, self-respect is where I'd come from. So when you have self-respect, how do you treat others around you? Yeah, and that With does actually flow right across into your entire to your entire worldview, doesn't it? You know, I, I I'm so conscious that a lot of these things that you're speaking about, Peter, uh, actually come through the the philosophy of the teaching staff themselves, because there's a lot of things that we actually impart as individuals that actually aren't part of the curriculum. Absolutely, your worldview does come out when you teach and you can't help it. So it your teaching staff are primarily from a Christian pers- background? Absolutely. All right. Okay. Okay. So that, that 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 really has to impact the entire tone of your school. Yeah, correct. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, coming back to where I was before with that integrity and self-respect, when you have self-respect, you treat others with respect. When you have a community that's doing that, that brings this joy, if you like, this contentment that mm. comes out. Mm. And often the reason, like we have lots of students that come from Christian backgrounds, but we have many that come from non-Christian backgrounds. Mm. The reason they like coming to our school is because they feel accepted and they feel safe. Mm. Um, mm. And they're able to they're able to um, learn in an environment where they're not worried about what might happen. They can actually be themselves and have these discussions. It's not like they're forced to be Christian. Yeah. They but they they need to be respectful of that, and we will be respectful of them. And we live together in this in this lovely community. Yeah. But that freedom to be able to actually able to ask. Uh, people who are Christians, questions about Christianity Absolutely. is incredibly important uh, given uh, where so much of our world is actually located at this particular time. Peter, look, I'm really conscious that our time is running away from us. Really do appreciate uh, what it is that you've uh, uh, shared with us this afternoon. Now, look, uh, just one last question. If perchance people were interested in uh, contacting you or uh, having a look at Prescott College, could they do that? And how do they go into that? go about doing that? Absolutely. We have people contacting us quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, we run uh, open days and open evenings. Um, some people like that format where there are others there. Um, and you just go to our website, um, prescottcollege.com.au, and you'd be able to find that. We also run tours uh, all the time for individuals that come in. So if you were to call the front desk on 82691655 and you were to speak to the receptionist there. Um, now, what's that number again? Sorry. 82691655. Um, and you call the front desk and you say, look, I'd just like to come and have a look at the school. Um, we would arrange for a personal tour for you. Um, and that would be done by one of our year 11 students. They take 
they take tours around the school so you can actually see the school while it's running rather wow. than rather than there being a, a show put on for you you can actually come you can watch when the bell rings watch them walk down the hallways you can go into the classroom watch the teacher teach and interact with the students um, and you can question um, the year 11 student you know well how long have you been here they What's tend to like? be fairly honest uh, that particular age bracket <laughs> absolutely they do they do it, it is I suppose in a sense some people might look at it as as a risk to allow them yeah, to do that yeah, but yeah. from our perspective it uh yeah it, it probably our, our greatest enrollment yeah. comes from that because people go okay i've actually spoken to someone who's going to be who's actually going to be there yeah, yeah and 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 have been there and know what it's like to sit in the classroom yeah, yeah so by the yeah. time people get back to me often you know they they don't have questions about what's it like to be in the school they're wanting to know other things um that you know may be of interest to them mm. Peter, thank you so much for coming and sharing with us this afternoon. Really do appreciate uh, all that you've shared. And I really hope we might get you back on another occasion to look at some of, there are some really challenging educational questions out there I'd love to put to you. And so we might actually get you back at uh, uh, a future occasion. Thank you so much and may the Lord richly bless your ministry. Really appreciate having, uh, uh, Peter with us in the, uh, in the studio. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Peter for, for being prepared to, to come in and share with us. Look guys, let's come to some, uh, some music. Uh, this is, uh, this is Jeff Bullock. Oh Lord, uh, your tenderness. Oh Lord, your tenderness. Melting all.
around. That was Jeff Bullock. Oh, Lord, your tenderness with such love. Uh, Jeff Bullock, love uh, the music of, uh, of Jeff Bullock. He's, uh, uh, he's, he used to function out of the uh, Sydney, uh, Sydney scene there, uh, but uh, powerful messages to, uh, uh, to his particular uh, songs. Uh, we do have for you a free, a free gift uh, today. Uh, we've got a devotional book. Love this, uh, uh, this particular book. The book's entitled Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. Now, all this uh, last week, all this week and next week, we're going to be looking at the subject of the Sermon on the Mount. Some have called it the Mount of Blessing. The Sermon on the Mount, it's actually been called the Manifesto of the King. It's been called the Magna Carta of the Kingdom. The essence of it is the teaching of Jesus being presented to his disciples. Those who heard it originally on the hill, overlooking Galilee, it had a, an amazing impact on them. In some respects, it was revolutionary in their lives. It was overturning so many accepted ideas. That's what we're actually dealing with this week. Now, a book has been written entitled Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. Now, this is a devotional book. This is the sort of book that you might like, you might really appreciate uh, being able to uh, to open early in the morning. I love being able to uh, to get up early. I like to be able to spend some time in the Word uh, in a devotional book. I like to be able to spend some time in prayer. Uh, and, you know, this book is one of those books that I love to be able to read. It's called Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. Uh, uh, of blessing, and uh, if you would like this particular book, uh, please just text us on oh four double eight double eight oh. 811. That number again is 0488 Just text us and just text the code SA13. That's all you need to do. Just text SA13 to 0488 And we've got this magic, this wonderful little robot. Uh, so you won't even have to talk to a person. The robot will actually contact you back and ask you for the details that uh, you need to put in so that we can deliver this uh, this particular book to you. So uh, if you'd like to experience our robot, it's a wonderful little little experience, but even better is this book, uh, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. Absolutely beautiful book. So please, uh, let me encourage you to uh, request SA13 uh, from 0488 811. Also, if you've got any uh, any comments or questions, if you've got any questions to uh, Peter Charlson, the principal of Prescott College, please feel free to ask the questions also on that same number. Uh, we're happy uh, to respond to respond to you. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Uh, today our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're taking as our theme, the radical teachings of Jesus. And today we're asking, why would Christ criticise people who pray? Now this is a really serious... Christ is being super radical in the Sermon on the Mount, and some of the things that he says even raise questions in the minds of people today. The uh, Sermon on the Mount, of course, started in uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 5 and goes through ch- chapter 6 and chapter 7. And uh, uh, Christ started to address at one point uh, in, his, uh, in his sermon the issue of prayer. And this is what he said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. 
For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you've shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And this this is a powerful teaching presented by Christ on the subject of of prayer now Eric to me it's it's quite uh, a radical thing that Christ would actually criticize people who are praying I mean shouldn't any prayer be okay or is Christ trying to dig deeper than what uh, possibly even today we do actually realise. Yeah, there's some pretty strong words here, Gary. Uh, when you look through and uh, the words hypocrites and, um, you know, to me, it seems to me that Christ is really um, struggling with the aspect of prayer, that he wants he wants his people to pray to him, to speak to him, but there are certain times and certain actions that he he finds it hard to accept because when you look at this... He talks about not like being like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Mm-hmm. So what does this mean, really? You know, what's it talking about here? Is this um, genuine prayer from, um, from God's creation back to him? Or is this something that goes further than that? And talk, he's talking here now about, um, about using, um, a prayer to actually um, to be showing to others around them that they are pious and that they are self-righteous. It's almost like they stand up to make, as it says, a show, that they are putting on a show when they're not actually genuine. And, and Christ sees into their heart and he sees that this is not a genuine prayer to him because what they do is they talk about themselves more than they talk about the God that they're praying to. You know, to. Eric, this actually, this actually worries me just a, just a little bit because if you like, this is talking to those of us who are, I suppose, professional prayers. I don't know if you've ever heard that particular phrase before. You know, have you ever heard of professional prayers? Yes, yes I have. Yes. Yeah, you've heard of that phrase. You know, those of us who come from, you know, um, people of the cloth, you know, people who are, uh, who have been paid ministers. They've been paid as priests. They've been paid as uh, representatives of God. If you like, they're paid to pray. And yet the people that Christ is criticizing here are people that would probably fall into my own genre, you know, a, a person who has worked in ministry my entire life. Mm. Now, to me, this really worries me. Mm. Well, the thing is what Christ is saying here, that his love for the people, the flock that they care for, is it should be the genuine concern of the leaders. Uh, that's mm. what they're there for. So they should be praying more and concentrating, having the compassion for the people that they're leading instead of being feeling like they're in a high position and that this is this is their reward. It says here, you know, you, you may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But it says when you pray, 
Go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who was in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So it's talking about a genuine response in prayer. I don't know about you, Pastor Gary, but sometimes um, when you do pray a lot, um, sometimes I feel as though I'm repeating myself. Mm. You know, I hear somebody else pray, and I say, "Wow, that was powerful. Yeah. Why can't I pray like that? And I've been praying for years. Yeah. You know, yeah. and... I think it's a genuine heartfelt response that God wants from us and not to be hypocrites. For it also says too, uh, in, um, uh, Luke 20, 46 to 40 says, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets who devour midwidow, midow, oh, sorry, who devour widows houses and for appearances sake, offer long prayers, these will receive greater condemnation. So these long, polluted prayers mean nothing if their actions don't prove that they're actually following Christ. Yeah, and that's what yeah. it's talking about here. It's matching our prayers to the to what a Christian should be doing in this life. Okay, yep. okay. To to me, the thing that I I suppose I look at here, I mean, this is so relevant to religion. In the, in the 21st century, because in many ways, uh, I, I, I have seen a religion become more of a symbol. Mm. Um, you know, prayer is something that you bring out when there's a crisis in the, uh, in the economy, when there's a crisis in society, then you bring out this thing called prayer. Um, but at other times when things are going well, well, prayer actually goes on to the back burner uh, very, very quickly. And you actually never hear it. Uh, you know, in, in Parliament, Parliament often starts with the saying of the Lord's Prayer. And it's interesting that this particular passage uh, here in Matthew actually leads into Christ's uh, teaching on the Lord's Prayer. But in in Parliament, you, Parliament actually starts with the uh, reciting of the Lord's Prayer. And I'm so thankful that it, that that does actually happen. But, you know, Christ is actually saying something here about formal prayer that possibly even challenges that type of prayer. Mm. And I, I also think, too, that with Christ, the most powerful prayer is from somebody who has nothing, who is lowly, who is struggling. That prayer is as, just as powerful or more powerful than some church leader that is pr- praying in front of a thousand people because mm. he hears the prayer of the heart, the genuine one. And, and the worry that I feel too, Gary, um, preaching a lot and, and being amongst people and praying for people is that my prayers stay genuine, that yeah. I don't go into a sort of a, a um, you know, uh, just a set of words because I do it all the time. I mean, I have people ask me to pray for them all the time. Aboriginal people love prayer and yeah. they will often ring me up asking me, just have a prayer now, you know, if such and such has happened. And, you know, it's a, it has to be a genuine prayer. Well, you look, for example, at um, Luke 18 to 19, it says here um, about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And it says there, and he also told this parable to certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself. 
mm-hmm. which is interesting words. Yeah. It says, God, I thank thee that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pray tithes all that I get. So what is he saying here, Gary? What is he actually concentrating on in his prayer? He's actually concentrating on himself, isn't he? He is. He's only, he's he's actually looking at others and saying, I'm glad I'm not like those folks. Yeah, there's a I comparative there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm righteous. And then he goes on and said, this is what I do. Is mm. this a prayer to God? Yeah. Is this honoring God in any way? Yeah. And that's what we've got to be careful of, that um, that as we wait for Christ to come, that our hearts are genuinely in Christ's mission. And this is what Christ is actually talking about here, is this this issue of genuineness. Now, you know, to me, I'm really interested, that particular parable that you actually read, you actually only read the first half of it, and I think the second half is actually probably more powerful than the second half, because you have a, a Pharisee, or if you like, the religious leader of the day, has put this very, I would call it a pompous, prayer um, up front but then a, a, a tax collector uh, comes in and how does he pray? Well the interesting to me uh, Gary, Pastor Gary, is it's in Luke 18 uh, verse 13. It says but the tax collector stood some distance away. So this tells me that he, he didn't even feel that he was worthy to be near the leader of the church. And it said he said that he beat his breast uh, he even was unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven. So here is the attitude of prayer. Yep, yep. This is what he's, the, we remember that the, the Pharisee, uh, was speaking unto himself. So this isn't a silent prayer. Yeah, this yeah. is probably a loud one. And so he, he, he puts his head down and he says, uh, he says here, um, saying, all he said was very short. He just said, God be merciful to me, the sinner. That's all he said. Do you know, so, sometimes people have actually said to me, you know, Pastor, how do I pray? You know, and they, they expect uh, some sort of long explanation as to how you should pray. You know, it's interesting that when Christ is teaching about prayer, uh, he actually sums it up in what we would say is no more than five or six verses. We call it the Lord's Prayer. But on this particular occasion, Christ tells a parable and the prayer of the uh, unrighteous man on the tax collector is actually nothing more than just a few words. All he's saying here is, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Uh, you know, to me, that says so much to those of us in our world because, you know, there are many uh, who are able to pray that particular prayer. And to me, the wonderful promise is that Jesus actually says, this man is the man who goes away justified. And he's only said a few words. To me, this is a beautiful picture that Christ is actually painting there. Mm. Well, what, what interests me too is that the Pharisee would have seen the tax collector, this one, not even worth being in the synagogue. Yeah. Um, yet his prayer was more powerful than the one who thought he was righteous. You know, And I think this demonstrates a humility of prayer. Uh, you know, uh, we always we've already seen at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount that it is the poor in spirit that are granted entrance into the kingdom of God. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And this tax collector was mournful over his sins, and God granted his request for mercy. He left justifiable before God, while the Pharisee left practicing his religious piety, but still in his sins. You know, Gary, I don't know if you've ever heard people pray for the first time. 
And that is powerful. When you yeah. hear somebody say, oh, look, you know, would you like to pray? Look, I've never done this before. And then they give a prayer. I remember Angel, one of the Aboriginal ladies, uh, you know, she was an alcoholic and everything, and she, she prayed for the first time. And that prayer was stumbling. It was awkward, but it was powerful. Yeah. Because it came from where she was at in her life. And I think the recognition of our condition shows in our prayer life that this, the way Jesus talked about being, um, you know, he was criticizing the proud and the haughty and those who thought they were already in the kingdom, those who were self-righteous. Jesus wants us in our condition to come as we are. And that comes from the heart, you know, sharing what it, realizing where we are and bringing that to God. Because if we don't, if we don't bring that to God, if we pray about the things we're doing, we don't like to be like that person, God cannot save us. We've got to go for him for that power. In other words, to me, the word that really comes to mind, I suppose, for me is authenticity. Uh, because to me, what Christ is actually saying when he's preaching his sermon, and I will imagine him sitting on uh, on the on the mountaintop in the, uh, on a spring day, he's sharing the sermon on the mount, he's doing his teaching on prayer, and he uses the illustration of these professional clergy uh, who are being incredibly pompous in what they're saying. But what he, what Christ does is he turns around and he says, I want you to be authentic. I want you to be able to come uh, to the Father just as you are. I want you to be able to confess your sin. And, you know, to me, he actually goes on. We do have to get here very quickly. He comes on, he starts doing some teaching about the Lord's Prayer. And this is a powerful uh, little uh, little passage that, we're, uh, that we come to, to there. Um, but, Eric, can I just ask you, you know, just personally, I suppose, what part does prayer play in your in your life? Well, it's always been uh, the centre of my life because when I became a Christian and, and went out and left the work that I did as triple time on a Saturday I used to get, and when I gave my heart to the Lord, um, you know, you put yourself into places where you can you've got to rely on God. And when you step out in faith and experience, and I think the thing is that in the end of days, in a Laodicean church, I kind of feel that um, if the church is reaching outward, um, prayer becomes more precious and more powerful. Mm. With a church that is stagnant, looking inward, um, and is, you know, this and that happening, it, I don't think prayer, prayer is as powerful because when we need to rely on the Holy Spirit and, and the power of that, then that's that's when it becomes so relevant. Prayer becomes so relevant. And sometimes, Gary, we can pray for ourselves and we can pray for our brethren and we can pray for this and that. But when we're praying for other people, when we're when we're um, leading people to a decision and 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 you know and we feel their pain, we're you know you're with them all the way and you're praying with them and beside them and listening to them. That's when prayer becomes mm. so much more powerful. Mm. And I think Jesus. Uh, demonstrate that so many times in his life, you know, uh, when he was with people all the time and seeing their pain and, yeah. and, and being there and being criticized for it. But he was there and his prayer life to his father, you know, was so powerful. Yeah. And that's I, what, that's the big thing. Yeah. No, no. What, what you're saying there is, is incredibly powerful. It's incredibly, I know it myself. I mean, one of the, the real blessings that, uh, that I find is being able to get up uh, in early in the morning and just be able to spend some, some time just, uh, reading. Uh, I like to read the scriptures, um, but also to spend some time in prayer. Uh, do you know that to me is just—it's just so powerful. And you know, it's wonderful. You're actually able to uh, to pray uh, when you're alone 
in a way that you're not able to pray when you're with a group of other people. And uh, I, I, this, this wisdom that Christ is actually imparting here, uh, talking about authenticity, I think is so key uh, to the uh, pompous religious world that we're actually facing today and in the in the world that we are facing today with the troubles and the trials so many are facing prayer is the most beautiful resource uh, that anyone could ever face but look let's come to some uh, some music uh, this is uh, the petersons uh, i love the words of this particular song i know who holds tomorrow <laughs> It's sky made 
What a powerful, powerful message that is. It's the Petersons. I know who holds tomorrow. What a message that is for the world in which we're living right now. I know who holds tomorrow. I know who holds my hand. What incredible hope uh, there is in that song. Love it. Really appreciate it. Uh, look, guys, we've got uh, for you the uh, devotional book, Thoughts for the Mount Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. You will love this book. Now, this is a devotional book. Uh, this is the sort of book that you can get up first thing in the morning and uh, certainly just spend uh, a few a few minutes just reading a couple of pages, and I can assure you you'll be richly blessed uh, by this book. It picks up Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing or Thoughts from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and this is just simply a devotional book. You will love it. Uh, look, if you'd like your own copy of Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, just text uh, to our uh, studio text number here, 0488-880-811. Our code, SA13. SA13 to 488 Double eight o eight eleven. You'll love this, and uh, uh, I'm sure I can assure you that our our bot, our robot, is uh, super friendly. Uh, he'll request a few details from you, and uh, we'll get that book uh, to you uh, super super fast. Uh, so please, um, if you'd like that uh, like that book, uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today, our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal. Uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week, we're taking as our theme the radical teachings of Jesus. And today we're asking, why would Jesus criticize people who pray? Uh, now, Eric, one of the things that actually occurred in this uh, this teaching portion of, of Jesus, uh, speaking about prayer, he's criticized people who are doing pompous prayers, and yet he's encouraged all authenticity uh, in prayer. But then he goes into this thing called the Lord's Prayer and he teaches the Lord's Prayer. What's it saying to us? Well, the first three verses of the Lord's Prayer is dealing with God and his concerns and then the rest of it is actually dealing with us and our concerns. So it starts off in that manner. And I love the words as it starts off. It says in verse 9, uh, well, actually in verse 8 it says, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you even ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, the word Father comes from the translation from Abba, meaning Daddy. As though it's coming to a. You so know, this is the father. sort of word that a little child might use to their father. That's right, and trust, trust, and trust. Yeah. Yep, and it says, "Hallowed be your name." So now it starts to talk about the majestic of majestically of, of of God, and it's interesting, Pastor Gary, that the other day there we talked about being in the yoke with uh, with Christ. That we have to be in the yoke with Christ for Him to teach us, <clears throat> because in a yoke you have uh, normally a couple of cattle, and one of them is um, learned and trained, and the other one is a beginner, and he learns from from the other one. And this is what God is saying: is that we come to our Father in prayer, we treat Him as as our Father, and then we we understand His Majesty. Uh, it says, your kingdom come, your will will be done. Now, this for us as, as humans is quite a thing to allow God's will to come into our lives. This is submission, isn't it? It is submission, yeah. And, you know, often we have, we can be so, um, 
bent on what we're doing in a Christian way as well, that we've got to allow uh, God to change our hearts. And it's talking about this. Uh, so we start off with uh, the Father in heaven. Uh, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give, uh, And then it, then it moves to us now. Uh, so we've talked a bit about uh, God here. Then in verse 11 it says, Give us this day our daily bread. You know, when I think of that, um, I think of what we have uh, in a material way and the fact that uh, even in business we do the right thing mm-hmm. um, and God rewards us for that. You know, I think the daily bread means more than just just um, providing for our needs. It's, it's actually a level of trust, isn't it? Mm. You know, because here what we've got is a, uh, is us as humans coming and petitioning the Father that we want, we trust you. Uh, we don't have to we don't have to be slaves to the culture in which we're living but rather we actually want to trust you you know, yeah. This is a beautiful message that Christ is actually imparting in this particular prayer. That's right. And it's it's placing yourself in his hands, basically. Mm. Uh, and it's a beautiful prayer. Uh, you know, it's something that uh, is recited all the time. Uh, and then it goes on and it says here in verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And you know that that there is is quite a quite a statement to make in a prayer that we have to forgive others for the wrongs they do us in order for the father you know it's it's taken as a norm here it's saying i will forgive you yeah. as you forgive others but he just says that matter of factly yeah. as though that he expects that to happen he assumes that that's actually what's going and yes. for for us that's hugely challenging isn't it it is in a world in which you know I think towards the end of time now, when we see things changing and there's so much uncertainty, I think that the, the true Christian will uh, will shine their light in a way that is different to the way the world is going. Uh, and then it moves on and it says, um, and do not let us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So it's depending on God to give us the protection to help us when we do fall and stumble. You know, um, Christ prayed, remember he was He was taken into the wilderness and there he was tempted and he prayed to his father earnestly mm. in those places. He has mm. given us the example, if yeah, you like, yeah. of what it's like to rely on him. And this is a reliance on a God. It's telling us that in our prayer life, that if we give God the honor and the glory, if we al- align ourselves to him, if we put ourselves in the yoke with him, uh, then, you know, things work out. Our burdens drop away. It's amazing how many people can testify in exactly the same way. But look, I'm conscious that our time's running away. Eric. But look, I'd just love to come to one question if I can. Look, you're the pastor of the Adelaide uh, Indigenous uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, um, I've also had the uh, privilege to be able to minister to Indigenous people on a number of occasions in my in my ministry. But the thing, the thing that I've found is that many Indigenous people have a great deal they could teach us secular white fellows uh, about prayer. You mentioned before that uh, they're actually, uh, they take prayer very seriously. They certainly, it's very authentic for them. How do you find it? Well, I find, Pastor Gary, that um, you and I, um, we might pray, you know, a few times a day where Mm. these folks, the Aboriginal people, pray constantly. 
um, there's, whenever they have burdens or whatever they see as going to the Father is a must. It's, it's, a, it's just a natural thing for them to do. You know, they battle with black magic and, um, and the dream world. Yeah. Uh, and that is a moving away from that power to the power of Christ. And the people that I deal with that have um, given their hearts to Christ have moved away from that to that. And they, they, they have a, um, a sort of like a pure, genuine faith uh, a childlike faith, if you like, yeah. of just coming to Christ and laying it out, their deepest burden, and telling it to Him. And that is powerful when you're in their presence. Because I tell you, Gary, when you hear what some people go through in life and the hurt that they have, they can still come to a father figure yeah. and pray to Him. They recognize God as a source of their of their comfort. Yeah. And that, is, to us, is a great lesson. That when we live in a, in a society where we have so many comforts, that when, you, when you're when you dependent on that, on, on coming to God in prayer, it, it really does show up in your prayer life. Mm, yeah. That's no, powerful. look, and can I say, that's the thing that I've certainly uh, uh, noticed, because uh, I know in, in a number of occasions when I've had the privilege to minister for uh, to, to Indigenous people, uh, that the depth of spirituality that a lot of them actually have have is certainly significantly greater than those of us who live within a uh, a, a secular world mm. uh, where uh, you know everything is just simply taken for for granted. That's you know, and, and that's and that has really stood out to me. And I, to me, I believe our indigenous people actually can teach the white fella a great deal. In this, uh, in this particular, I've got some amazing stories that I can actually tell you from, uh, from an indigenous perspective because, uh, you know, I stand in awe at the faith of, uh, of some of our indigenous people. But look, Eric, we are starting to run out of time. Uh, let's just bow our heads together for prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now, Lord. I want to say thank you for the teaching that you have given us in this sermon that occurred on the mount. Lord, I want to say thank you. Uh, for uh, challenging the status quo. Lord, thank you for challenging us and, and appealing to us to be authentic. Uh, Lord, thank you that a short prayer is, as, is more powerful than the longest prayer. Mm. Uh, Lord, I, I just pray for anybody right now who's struggling with health, Lord, anybody who might be struggling with uh, maybe some a financial situation, maybe some relationship issue, Lord, I just want to pray that you might act, that you might touch, that you might give them the desire of their hearts. Lord, I pray that indeed you will act in their life. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. And we pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it uh, does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we share with Pastor David Butcher and we continue looking at some of the some of Christ's most radical teachings. Tomorrow we're asking, does Christ oppose wealth? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.